0: Today on The Matt Walsh Show, the governor of New York is set to fire hundreds of healthcare workers for not getting vaccinated, artificially creating a healthcare worker shortage. And while speaking at a church, she framed her vaccine mandates in explicitly religious terms, which is a, bla- a blasphemous thing, of course, but revealing. Also, Joe Biden gets his third COVID shot while announcing that uh, things aren't going to get back to normal until 98% of all people are jabbed with the, va- with the vaccine. Plus, a medical journal refers to women as bodies with vaginas, And more information has come out about the guy who whipped up a social media mob against the woman who uh, allegedly said something mean about him at a dog park. Finally, the local media here in my home of Virginia are not happy that I've come to speak at the Loudoun County School Board. We'll play a a few clips of that for you today. All of that and much more on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, we know the left has taken over all of the country's major institutions from media to academia, the school system, government, everywhere, Hollywood, uh, and most corporations and most companies, but there are some exceptions, and those exceptions are are very special, and there's a reason why, you know, that's all the more reason to support those exceptions when we find them, like Charity Mobile, for example. Charity Mobile is uh, a pro-life phone company. They partner with you to automatically support the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice, with 5% of your monthly plan price. And they have sent millions of dollars to charities so far. They're doing real work, good work in our communities. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping when you mention offer code Walsh. Um, And they also make it really easy to switch. You know, you can keep your existing phone number. You may even be able to keep your existing phone. So there's no reason to to keep keep your money with a, with a, a service provider that frankly, hates you and is opposed to you in the culture. And look, there are no contracts, no termination fees, and no risk with their 30-day guarantee. You get great live customer support and great nationwide coverage on America's most reliable network. You get all of this while you're helping to build a culture of life in America. So switch to Charity Mobile and support the causes you care about. Call them at one 474 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com and mention offer code Walsh. You know, as a humble man who prefers to shrink from the spotlight, it pains me to have to start another show saying, I told you so, but I did in fact tell you so. You may remember a few weeks ago when Andrew Cuomo had finally been pushed to resign from the governorship, and many on the right were throwing the confetti and cheering his demise. And I said that we should slow the celebratory parade down a little bit. It is certain that whoever replaces him will be worse. You know, one thing that we ought to understand about the left at this point is that they never... I mean, never, ever, not ever turn on one of their own, as they did Cuomo, unless they've got a more dedicated and radical ideologue waiting in the wings to replace him. That's the only time they do it. The media, after months of hero worship, suddenly decided to hold Cuomo accountable. I mean, how could this be explained? Was it a case of sudden onset integrity? Had they seen the light? Were they determined out of nowhere to be fair, objective, and honest? Were the media and Democrats trying to oust Cuomo simply because he deserved to be ousted? No, obviously not. They were doing it because they realized it would benefit them. And part of the reason why it would benefit them is that the person who would replace him, Kathy Hokul, Hokel, Hokel, I'll go with a bunch of different pronunciations because I don't know, would be an even more reliable pawn for the far left. Hokel is a particularly dangerous type of tyrant. She's a thoroughly mediocre woman, unimpressive in every way, very few accomplishments to her name, who managed to float on the breeze into a position of power. She served one unremarkable term in Congress nearly a decade ago before losing re-election. Next thing you know, she's appointed lieutenant governor, and now she's governor of one of the most populated states in the country. These are always the types you have to look out for, much like Kamala Harris, who made her way into politics by sleeping with a married man, and then became vice president despite losing in the primaries in spectacular fashion, garnering essentially zero support from the electorate. These 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 are the types who, along with being communists, also think they have something to prove. And Kathy Halkiel has set out to prove whatever it is she wants to prove. Yesterday, she announced that all healthcare workers in the state had to be vaccinated by midnight or be fired. Listen to this.
1: We'll be nation leading with our... Mandate which strikes at midnight tonight when everyone is expected in a hospital in the state of New York or a health care facility to have been vaccinated I will be signing an executive order to give me the emergency powers necessary to address the shortages where they occur and that's going to allow me to deploy the National Guard who are medically trained deploy people uh, who've been retired who may have had a license lapse bring in people from elsewhere, that is not my first position though, my friends. My my desire is to have the people who've been out there continue to work in their jobs, work in them safely, and to all the other healthcare workers who are vaccinated, they also deserve to know that the people they're working with will not get them sick.
0: Okay, so just to be clear about what's happening here, the governor of New York is artificially engineering a hospital staffing shortage while at the same time claiming that we're in the middle of a deadly pandemic and hospitals are overwhelmed. Hospitals are overwhelmed, so let's uh, start firing healthcare workers by the hundreds or thousands. This is, without exaggeration, one of the most twisted and evil things we've ever seen. She's also made it clear that there will be no religious exemptions for any healthcare worker who refuses a jab. And she makes, uh, I guess this is her legal argument for disallowing religious exemptions, and I find it, I don't know, a little bit dubious. Listen to this.
1: My default position is to ask people, please do this. This is why it's been proven to be safe. The vaccine's been out there a long time now. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason and we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. And so this is so unnecessary. And I just want to appeal to the individuals to know that you know your coworkers want you to do this don't make the burden heavier on them as well.
0: So her legal argument for abolishing religious exemptions is that she has conducted a survey of the leaders of all of the organized religions, all of them, and found that uh, all of them agree with her. Even if that were true, of course, it would still would not negate religious exemptions. The opinions of religious leaders don't supersede the First Amendment rights of individuals. But It's also not true. I mean, there are something like 4,000 religions in the world. When she says that all of the leaders of all of the religions agree with her, she means that she talked to three Episcopal priests and a rabbi. Um, Her arguments may be laughable, but that doesn't matter. As we've seen time and again, she is simply going to impose herself, claim power, and exercise it regardless of what anybody says about it. Is there any actual reason, any, any good reason, I mean, to fire thousands of healthcare workers? The very workers who were being celebrated as living saints only six months ago. Have these unvaccinated healthcare workers caused any outbreaks in the intervening months? I haven't heard about that. No one's telling us about that. So if they haven't, that means they've been working in hospitals for 18 months without any problem. Why make it a problem now? And what about those healthcare workers who understand the science, as you'd hope they all do, though you hope in vain, and haven't gotten the vaccine because they've already been infected and they know that natural immunity likely provides greater protection than the vaccine, according to uh, the studies we've seen on this. Why should they get the jab? Should they be compelled to inject a substance into their bodies just to, what, be a good team players? Is that the argument? There is no response to these questions. Those in power don't need to bother with these kinds of questions at all or responses to them. They simply do what they want to do and inflict the punishment on anybody who defies them. This is about obedience, religious obedience. And Hokiel made, a, a, a made that clear a few days earlier while speaking at a megachurch in New York. This is pretty incredible, listen to this.
1: But I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say thank you, God. Thank you, and I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated, all of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated, you're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this, you know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other, we love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another, and how do you show that love? but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can get fight fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to fighting systemic racial injustice, which exists today. And if there's a dot denier, I will take you on any date because I've seen it. I know it exists, and we are not going to have a blind eye to this ever again any longer under my watch.
0: Oh, she'll take you on. Huckle is going to take you on. So Huckle has a little bit of Democrat Tourette syndrome at the end there, shouting about systemic racism. Because these people can't speak for more than 90 seconds without using the term systemic racism. But her statements before that were revealing. She says that the vaccine is from God. Except that really the vaccine is from the pharmaceutical industry. And the mandates are from the government. It makes you wonder who God even is according to her usage. Well, she clears that up quickly by imploring the congregation to go out and be my apostles. She, the governor of New York, is recruiting apostles. Her own apostles. Not apostles of Christ. They're urged to go out and find the lost sheep and bring the sheep into the fold and convince the sheep to stick a needle in their arms and inject a drug into it, whether they need it or not. Why? Well, her religious framing, I think, is quite appropriate. This is about religious observance, obedience. Not to God, the real God, the one true God, but to the God of the state. As far as the members of the COVID cult are concerned, the vaccine is a sacrament. Getting the vaccine is a sacramental act. At least that's how they see it. as a a sign of fidelity and obedience to the state. That's why they insist that children receive it, even though their immune system already provides them with incredibly effective protection from the virus. And they insist that people with natural immunity get it, everybody else get it, whether they need it or not. Because it's not about needs, it's not about health, it's not about science, it's about compliance. That should be very obvious by now. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know what I was just thinking about today? Uh, you know, I think about this a lot. How much I hate going to the auto parts store. I just hate it. It fills me with rage. And that's why uh, I'm so grateful for rockauto.com. They just make it so much easier, don't they? Than walking into that auto parts store, wandering around the aisles for hours and hours. You walk out having not, you you, you spent all this money on auto, on auto parts you didn't even need. You didn't get the thing you did need. It's just a huge mess. That's why you need rockauto.com. You can just pull out your phone, go on your computer, and you'll find the lowest prices possible. If you're finding it on rockauto.com, you know that that's the best price you're going to find anywhere. You also know when you're on rockauto.com that uh, you're getting the best selection anywhere. And you're getting it from a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and easy to navigate, so go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and remember, as always, to write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. All right, uh, well, if you're watching the video, as you can see, we're um, in another hotel today before I uh, move into my new new residence in Virginia, and more on that in a little bit, but um, I sat down to start uh, filming the show today, and uh, the people in, in the control room back in Tennessee... We're very concerned that my shirt matches um, the furniture here and the drapes behind there, and you know, they wanted me to actually go change. Which the problem is that is it takes effort. And but the other thing is that this is I, I, this is something I do on purpose. I actually like to feel at sort of um, at one with my surroundings. Uh, I also like to blend in in case anybody runs in here hoping to do me harm. They won't be able to find me because I'm camouflaged into. So this is something I do very intentionally. And, uh, and I, have, I have no issue with it whatsoever. So, all right. But I expect that the mockery will come in the comments, and I'm fully prepared for that at this point. Uh, okay, let's start with this. Joe Biden got his third COVID shot yesterday, his third one. And uh, he was wearing a mask, so now he's triple vaxxed and still wearing the mask. And he was uh, asked while he was getting the shot, when can we all get back to normal? And of course, there's always this asterisk every time that question is asked because uh, you know, I've been getting back to normal. I've been living my normal life this entire time. So when someone says, when do we get it back to normal? you know, They're asking, for me, it's well, when can I start doing the things that I've been doing this entire time? But for those who have not been living normal lives, when can they start? And Joe Biden uh, has an answer for that. And here it is.
2: Hi, to go back to
0: normal, like, what is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority, like it's going on in some of the some
1: industries and some schools, 6, 97,
2: 98 percent. I think we're awful close, and uh, but I'm not the scientist, uh,
0: I think, but like, one thing for sure quarter of the country go unvaccinated and not continue to have a problem 98% and then we're getting close so it's not even that 98% means we can get back to normal it means we're close at 98% and we're uh, exactly 2% away because 100% is really what he's saying the goal is here um, he says a quarter of the country cannot go unvaxed well I I'm old enough to remember when they were telling us that 70% was the goal, and once you get 70% vaccinated, that's the magic. Just like 15 days to slow the spread was the magical uh, was the magical limit. Then it was, you know they, they keep moving it. The, at one point it was 70% vaccinated, and now it's 98%, and even then not really. And even when we get to 100%, which we never will, so I can't say when. But in this in this magical, fantastical scenario where we get to 100% vaccination. Even then, it's still not good enough because then we got to start doing the booster shots. Because apparently, I mean, Joe Biden got his full dose of vaccines six months ago, and he already needs another one. So once we get to 100%, then we got to get to 200% because everybody's got, got to get vaccinated again. And it will never, ever end. They're basically at the point of actually telling us that now. I mean, they're never going to come out directly and say that it will never end. But that's that's as close as they're going to come to telling the truth on that point. Um, I think meanwhile, in related to this, the Alberta chief health officer, Dina Hinshaw in Canada, had uh, some of her own thoughts about about covid. And specifically here she's talking about she's being asked about um, outbreaks, especially outbreaks connected to kids in school she's explaining what counts as an outbreak now and uh it's very interesting listen
3: so we do have that framework where schools if they see that there are an increased number of children who are ill because of respiratory illness again or teachers or staff Uh, They can work with Alberta Health Services. And in some ways, that is uh, adding an additional layer of protection because if individuals choose to not get tested for COVID but are home with an illness, um, they're now counted in the list as uh, being part of that outbreak. And so it's less dependent on needing a test to be a part of identifying where there is an issue We are, as I mentioned, working with education to determine if there are any adjustments that need to be made to this framework. But there are no other settings right now, aside from continuing care and acute care, as locations where there's a significant risk of uh, transmission and and severe outcomes if there should be an outbreak. In those settings, we are ensuring that follow-up takes place to um, mitigate and to manage outbreaks. However, in schools, again, we are taking the approach that uh, an illness that fits that definition, a respiratory illness, is treated the same way, whether it's uh, someone who's diagnosed with COVID or not, and that additional measures can be put into place.
0: I remember when it was a conspiracy theory that they were pumping up the COVID numbers by counting a bunch of things as COVID, even if they weren't necessarily COVID. I remember that when that was was a conspiracy, you couldn't say that, you couldn't talk about that. If I had speculated about such things, I would have been kicked off of YouTube and Twitter would have flagged it as misinformation. And here we have the Alberta chief health officer in Canada saying that's exactly what they're going to do and probably have have been doing, that if someone has COVID symptoms and they don't test positive or even get tested at all and they miss school, that counts as COVID, which, as we went over yesterday, is a problem because... Literally every virus, including the common cold, has COVID symptoms. If you have a if you have a migraine, and you stay home for the day, that now it's part of a COVID outbreak. You had COVID. It's not COVID, but it is as far as they're concerned. So this this is what we're finding. I, I think that uh, the powers that be figure at this point, after eighteen months, they've kind of greased the wheels enough that they can start being more explicit and more direct about some of this stuff, where they can come out and actually say, yeah, we're counting it as COVID, even if it's not. Um, and uh, 98% vaccination rate, they're being more direct about it, finally. Now, one more clip I want to play for you, uh, not related to COVID, but uh, Jen Piseki was talking about the um, the uh, spending bill, $3.5 trillion. Now, now re- remember, it's $3.5 trillion, but it doesn't actually cost anything at all, because it's going to be paid for with taxes. And what we learned yesterday, an economic lesson, it was new to me. And, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't go to college. Maybe this is one of the things I would have learned had I gone. This is the education I missed out on, that if you pay for something, then it's free. Uh, As long as you, if you pay for it up front, then it doesn't count as paying, which, which was amazing news. And what they're saying about the spending bill, it's $3.5 trillion, but they're going to pay for it with taxes. And so that means that it's free. Never mind the fact that that's actually not true, and it certainly is going to add to deficit. But uh, even pretending that it is, that's that's the argument. Now, the question arises, well, you start raising taxes, you start taxing corporations, the dastardly corporations, then um, prices are going to go up because they're going to pass those costs down to the consumer. Well, uh, Jen had something to say about that. Listen, I want to ask you about what Republicans are pointing to in the analysis from the Joint Committee on Taxation. Mm -hmm. They say, according to, if I've read the chart correctly, more than 16 percent of taxpayers would see their taxes increase under the, the, the bill that's approved by the House Ways and Means Committee. Will the President sign that bill as it is is coming out of that committee, or will he insist on the changes so that he will maintain his commitment that taxes won't go up on people making $400,000 a year?
2: I have not looked at the uh, document or the report that you have put out. Obviously, the President's – or that you have referenced, I should say, that the Republicans put out. Uh, Obviously, the President's commitment remains not raising taxes for anyone uh, making less than $400,000 a year. There are some, and I'm not sure if this is the case in this report, who argue that in the past, Companies have passed on these costs to consumers. I'm not sure if that's the argument being made in this report. We feel that that's unfair and absurd, and the American people would not stand for that. But I will take a closer look at this report and get you a more substantive response.
0: It's unfair and absurd for companies to pass down costs to consumers. That's the way the economy works, Jen. It's always worked that way. And the American people not standing for it, we don't really have a choice. OK, when the when the costs go up, it's already it's already way more expensive when you go to the grocery store to buy basic groceries than it was before Joe Biden took office. And we're upset about it. We don't like it. But we have we, we need. What else are we going to do? Are we all going to start self-sustaining farms and uh, not go to the store anymore? That would be great, but it's probably not practical. So we have to buy the stuff. We don't have a choice. There are a lot of unfair things. That, uh, that happen in the world, and we don't have any choice but to endure them. And one of them is that the costs go up. Like, at any t- Anytime costs go up for a company that's, that supplies goods or services to consumers, uh, that means that the cost is going to go up to the consumers as well. That's just the way that it works. Because the other option is for that company to say, well, you know, we, we could recoup some of these costs uh, by passing it down to the consumers, but, we're, you know, we're going to be nice and not do that. Um, it doesn't work that way. It never has. It never has worked that way, and it's also not unfair or or not. And I don't really think that it is unfair. I think it's pretty logical. It's certainly not absurd. That's just that's that again is the way the economy works. Um, okay, moving on. This is from the Daily Wire. Some more information about the guy we started the show yesterday, talking about this guy Frederick Joseph, who. Um, Well, I'll read from the Daily Wire article and they'll set it up a little bit. It says, a man who posted a short video clip of a woman as he claimed she made a racist comment to him has a a history of making accusations to his more than 100,000 followers on Twitter. His latest target, her name is Emma Sarley, was, and I was talking about the story yesterday, I didn't want to say her name, but it's now out there and it's too late now. So Emma Sarley was fired from her job after she was identified as the woman in the video and her employer was contacted. Uh, Frederick Joseph, who took the video and made the allegation, has written a book on anti-racism, that I mentioned yesterday, called the Black Friend on being a better white person. He also says on his website that he served as a campaign surrogate for Senators Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Big shock there. Uh, so again, the background here: Frederick Joseph was at a dog park with his fiance and this woman Emma Sarley was there, and that's all we we really know up until this point. But there was some kind of altercation, some sort of back and forth, and uh, next thing you know, the camera cuts on Emma Sarley is on camera. And the accusation is that she said to Frederick Joseph and his fiance, go back to your hood. We, we didn't know if that was actually said. We didn't know the context behind it. We didn't know anything. That's what he claimed. And uh, he put her information out there, her face out there. He started digging through her life and posting all this information, put her job, out, her, her, her employer's name out there, contacted the employer himself, and eventually got uh, her fired and was really quite happy about it. Gloating about it, not knowing anything about this woman at all, not knowing her situation, not knowing if she has kids at home that she has to feed. That doesn't matter. We're just going to take her her job away because it makes me feel like a big and powerful person. And, you know, just a, a quick note on that of of power dynamics. Because what we're told by the left is that, well, Frederick Joseph is a black man. Emma Sarley is a white woman. She's got some victim points because she is a woman, but she's got fewer victim points than, than Frederick Joseph because he's a black guy. So um, so she has all of the po- all, all of the power in that interaction. She's the one with the power. Well, that's interesting because it would seem to me that if you have the ability to Take this unpleasant interaction you had with some stranger, and because you're mad about it, within this space of 12 hours, ruin that stranger's life, even taking her job from her. If you have the ability to do that, whether you do it or not, it would seem like you're the one with the power in that interaction. Uh, that's what power is. Now, so we knew about all of that. And here's the, the latest about Joseph. It says, it should be noted that Joseph has a history of accusing white people of racism over perceived insults. Big shock there. His Twitter account is full of random claims without evidence that white women have wronged him in some way. In one tweet, he took a picture of his car and claimed a white woman approached him while, she, while he was looking for his keys to ask him why he was standing next to the car. Uh, that didn't happen. It, I can I tell you right now that didn't happen because it, even if she thought that he was, what, a car thief— like, this is, a, this is a man, and he's a, he's a bigger guy. Some woman is going to come over to a man who, 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 who she thinks is a criminal and say, why hey, say, say, sir, why are you committing a crime right now? Even if it was true that she jumped to that assumption, she's not going to confront him over it. Um, so that didn't happen. And, uh, and then also, in another tweet, Joseph called for protesters to burn down the Kenosha Police Department during the Black Lives Matter riots. His allegations have caught media attention before. In 2020, this one is this is a strange one. I actually remember this when it happened, although I didn't know who the guy behind all of this and his history. But in 2020, Joseph and his family stayed at an Airbnb property, and then claimed the house was full of seemingly satanic items and stuff for witchcraft rituals, including imagery, candles, books, etc., for rituals and what looked like devil worship. Um, motherboard participated in a video. Call with the owner of the house, who walked them through the home and pointed out the items Joseph claimed were satanic. In reality, they were just art books and kitschy objects. The ritualistic markings on the basement floor were, in reality, just paint smudges. Uh, so this is but just a bunch of stuff that this guy. Pretty pretty common when you when you stay like an Airbnbs or you go you know on vacation, you stay in someone's house. They have all kinds of just weird. Kind of like because they're going for a, just a general vibe, they they find art from thrift stores and they put it up, and that's all it was, and he claimed that this was a where a witch lived and was participating in witchcraft rituals and that got media attention. People parroted that like it was clearly true, and this guy had to go to the media and explain himself. so that's the background on on Frederick Joseph. and now we finally hear from the other side of the story. Emma Sarley has issued a statement. And before I read this statement, I'll let you, I'll give you a second to guess. What do you think? Do you think that Emma Sarley, after being targeted by this scumbag and having her life ripped to shreds for no reason by this known hoaxer, um, do you think that she's coming out and really defending herself and going on offense and saying, How dare you do this to me, you awful human being? You think that's what she's doing or is she groveling? What do you think? Well, let's find out, shall we? Uh, Sarley's complete statement obtained by The Daily Wire says, in part, I'm still processing everything that's happened over the last couple days, and I thought it was important to share what I saw and experienced. I absolutely accept responsibility for how I could have handled things differently in that moment. On Saturday evening, I watched a dog get into several aggressive altercations with other dogs in my local park, and as the owners of this dog were leaving, I suggested that they keep a handle on their dog while visiting this particular park. My reference to Back to Your Hood only referred to another dog park outside of the neighborhood park. I was frustrated and upset, but just to be clear, I had no intended racial undertones in my comments whatsoever. I said it because it's an unstated rule at our local park that when a dog is being aggressive, owners immediately remove them so it can be a calm, welcoming environment for everybody else. However, I fully understand how my words could have been misinterpreted, uh, and I deeply wish I had chosen them more carefully. A brief and thoughtless moment in my life has now led to nationwide outrage and hurt. For that, I am sorry. I want to clarify that I never threatened to call the police. I never went on a tirade as the dog owners followed me down the street. With the phone camera on, I was filled with some panic because I'd never been in an altercation like that and reacted in an inappropriate way. I've lived in New York for a decade. My Brooklyn neighborhood and dog park is extremely diverse, something I truly love about this city. And I never meant for my words to contribute to pain for anyone I truly hope we can find understanding and a peaceful resolution to this for everybody involved. Oh, Emma. Uh, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a nice peaceful res- resolution for Frederick Joseph. Um, he rides off into the sunset. He got the attention that he wanted. He got his vengeance on you. He was able to exert this, this power over you, and he got his you know, rocks off doing that. Um, that's that's apparently his that's his fetish. It would seem is by is embarrassing and shaming white women. He seems to really have a thing for that in in particular. So yeah, it's it's a peaceful resolution for him, but your life is destroyed, and even more so now, because you didn't you didn't defend yourself. Yeah, you didn't it, you didn't say that you didn't come out and confess to racism exactly, but you took responsibility. You took all the fault and blame on yourself. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think the the social media mob that a day ago was happy to ruin your life, not knowing anything about you, happy to take your job from you, not knowing? I mean, they, again, they don't know if you have kids. They don't know if you know you have some sort of medical condition that you, that you need to, to you need a, a doctor for. And now they've taken your health insurance away from you too. I mean. The, the consequences of taking somebody's job are, are dire. Doesn't mean that nobody should ever lose their job, but before you set out to do that to someone, you better have a damn good reason. And there wasn't one in this case. So what do you think, Emma? Do you think that the people that did that to you and Frederick Joseph himself, you think they're going to see this statement and say, oh, gee, all right, I guess that was a misunderstanding. And she said she's apologized and everything's fine. I'm gonna call up his, her employer and say, you know, you should hire her back. She's a, she's a good egg after all. No, they're gonna sit back smugly and and cross their arms and, and nod their heads and say, good. Yeah, I hope you learned your lesson. You deserve to have your you still but you just still deserve to have your life ruined. It's just it's hard. It's I, and I and then I, and then I want to have compassion. I want to feel sorry for the Emma Sarleys of the world. But, but I can't. I just can't find it in myself. If you won't defend yourself, then what can the rest of us do? All right, from The Daily Wire, it says, The editor of the leading medical journey, journal The Lancet, which embroiled itself in controversy when it referred to women as bodies with vaginas, on the cover of one of its September issues, apologized Monday for causing offense, but chose to defend the obtuse phrasing used in the publication. Uh, The the Weekly Medical Journal called women bodies with vaginas in an article titled Periods on Display for the September 1st issue. The quote, historically, the anatomy and physiology of bodies with vaginas have been neglected. And it was featured on the cover. But The Lancet was met with criticism from many who argued that the journal was itself marginalizing women by referring to them in such a strange manner. Um, And there was some pushback against that. And that's that's reasonable pushback. There should be pushback. And this is what Richard Horton, the editor-in-chief, this is what he said. The Lancet strives for maximum, maximum inclusivity of all people in its vision for advancing health. In this instant instance, we have conveyed the impression that we have dehumanized and marginalized women. Those who read The Lancet regularly will understand that this would never have been our intention. I apologize to our readers who were offended by the cover quote and the use of those same words in the review. At the same time, I want to emphasize that transgender health is an important dimension of modern healthcare, but one that remains neglected. Trans people regularly face stigma, discrimination, exclusion, and poor health, often experiencing difficulties accessing proper healthcare. Um, and then he went on. So he, he allegedly apologized, but then went on, of course, to defend. His, uh, the, the phrasing of bodies with vaginas. He says that uh, people have accused us of dehumanizing women. Um, th- that's exactly what you've done. More so than that, it's, it's kind of a deep, it's a depersoning. You know, you're, you're treating women as if they are not whole, complete persons, but rather, as you say, just bodies with vaginas. This, this for for decades... Right. This supposedly has been the mission of feminism and the mission of the left, supposedly. Was to was to militate against this kind of dehumanizing objectification of women. I mean, can you imagine in a different context, even just a few years ago or or even today, if it was in a different context and someone said, "Ah, you know, women, are just bodies with vaginas. If it was some, let's say some womanizing man who was accused of being a sexist. So what does it matter? They're just bodies with vaginas. That's how I'm treating them. That would be seen as totally, utterly dehumanizing. And of course, that's exactly what it is. All right, let's move now to reading the YouTube comments. Who's rocking polka dot and flannel shirts without shame? Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby gang. Dana says, I finally got the courage to come out to my wife. She just couldn't understand it and has been really hard on us in our marriage. I hope telling my parents about being in the sweet baby gang goes better. Well, I understand this may have caused marital strife, Dana, but it was uh, in the end, it was it was worth it. Captain Kangaroo says, Matt, choosing the second cheapest wine perfectly justifies why his wife occasionally roasts him on Twitter. Uh, look, that's I, I find that to be the a strategy that has not that has not failed me. Because when I go in for the wine, I, I already know the cheapest wine is going to be pretty bad. I don't want to spend on the more expensive stuff. So I just, that's, that's it's not just wine, by the way. That's my approach to almost everything in life. Everything, certainly everything that I buy. Um, obviously, my clothes. It's, it's, I just go, okay, there's the cheapest level. I'm going one up. So you can't accuse me of being the cheapest. I'm going, I'm classing it up just one smidge. And you know what? I, I think it also makes you a more content and happier person. Although people would rarely accuse me of being a content and happy person. But still... When, when you, because the problem is when you have sort of developed your tastes in wine, in like steak, in whiskey, and anything, uh, then your life just becomes much more expensive. So what I do is I stay away from those top shelf things as, mu- as much as I can. And then I don't know what I'm missing. That's my strategy. All right. Uh, Colin Sims says, regarding the opening segment, Matt didn't mention the masculine versus feminine aspect masculine bullying is pushing the other kid into a locker. Feminine bullying relies on character assassination. Basically, liberal society, especially those of the upper echelons, has skewed dramatically toward the feminine, which is why you see so much of these tactics in cancel culture. So in this case, the black guy making the cell phone video was simply auditioning for a spot in the Mean Girls click and hoping to accrue the benefits such as higher book sales. A couple of people in the comments made that point about how you know, I was saying that bullying has changed now because the bully takes on, sort of affects uh, powerlessness, pretends to be powerless, pretends to be the offended one, where it used to be bullies were just straightforward and, and they were trying to cause offense. And that's how they, uh, that's how they, they, that's how they beat you. Um, and a few people in the comments pointed out that, that in another way, you was know, even, we, I can remember back in, back in my day in, in high school, that this form of bullying, this more sort of this reverse psychology method, this passive aggressive method. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how girls bullied each other. And so it has become, maybe that's a better, maybe, maybe that is true. Instead of, uh, you know, instead of bullying completely changing, it's become more feminine in a certain way. All right. Ju- Juliet says, Matt, by leaving my shopping carts all over the supermarket parking lot, I'm creating jobs for the cart boys. If we all took care of the carts ourselves, they'd all be fired. I'm a job creator. Juliet I've heard that excuse a million times and that doesn't even work anymore because a lot of these places quite clearly don't hire people specifically to, to return their carts that was a job that I that I had a long time ago it was my first job in fact as a as a working man uh, or I was a boy at the time and I think I was 13 years old and that's what I did I was in the parking lot and I, and I collected the carts and I made sure that parking lot was pristine. A lot of these places don't have those kind of jobs anymore. Even if they do, that does not relieve you of your own social responsibility. So I don't want to hear that. And you are banned from the show. Finally, Ryan says, Matt, how do you balance out the fact that you make fun of adults who watch superhero movies and call them childish, and yet you watch football, a child's game, where men in tights jump on top of each other? Some might call that pretty childish too. At least you can't deny that it's the same kind of thing. No, they're the same kind of thing if they're not in moderation. So you could find an an, an analog between someone who's obsessed with, an adult who's obsessed with comic book films and spends all their time obsessing over cartoons and comic books and an adult who's obsessed with sports and spends all of their time watching sports, thinking about sports, talking about sports. That's all they care about. Those are analogous situations because those are, are adults who for them, the only thing they care about or the primary thing they care about in life is entertainment. And so they have found their identity in being entertained. And there are many problems with that. One of them is that it's passive. You've found a passive identity where you sit back and, and wait for someone or something to entertain you. And that's your whole identity. So if you're doing that, it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's Whether it's sports or superheroes, or, or anything. Um, if, if, your, if your primary purpose in life, if, if you derive meaning primarily from being entertained, from forms of entertainment, then that's a problem. And that's a recipe for an unfulfilling life and for an adult who is not a real adult and is not well-adjusted and is not mature and is not going to experience the deeper joys in life. Um, so that's that's the comparison. But as far as superhero films versus sports in general, I think there are a lot of a lot of, a lot of crucial differences. I mean, for one thing, sports are a more naturally communal uh, form of entertainment. You know, I sit with my family and we we'll watch the game. Uh, you could go to a stadium and you're with your your city. You know, and you're watching the game together. Now you can watch superhero movies together, but it's not exactly the same kind of thing. I mean, sports teams are tied to a city and usually you are a fan of that team because you live in that city or that city at one point, you know, maybe you grew up in that city and so it ties you to your community. Not in a very significant way, but it's still, there is that communal tie that doesn't exist with superheroes. Uh, also, w- when you're watching professional athletes, uh, you know, there there are plenty of them that are whiny and annoying and are just in it for the money. That's true. But you're still watching people who have dedicated their lives to being excellent at something. And they're very, very good at what they're doing. And this is the, this is the pinnacle of all of that hard work. And so you're watching that and you're kind of admiring the excellence. But with superhero movies, like none of these actors who are in superhero movies, this is a, they're, they're doing it for the paycheck and nothing else. This is not a, you know, they, they, they didn't get into acting hoping one day to put on a costume and run around pretending to punch bad guys. This this for them is just, this this is a sellout thing they're doing for the money. I can't blame them. But this is not, this might be, these might be excellent graphics. These might be excellent special effects, but it's not artistic excellence as opposed to the athletic excellence of sports. That's my rationalization off the top of my head. I think it's pretty good. I'm almost convinced by it. Now we have a new sponsor on the show I'm very excited about Planet Fitness. You, know, you maybe you've heard there's an obesity epidemic in uh, in this country and and there certainly is. You know, the, the thing is when you when you're overweight uh, not only does that cause all kinds of, of health problems, but also you just don't feel, you still, you don't feel right. You don't feel good about yourself. That's why you got to get to Planet Fitness. You can work out your stress and get back to feeling great at Planet Fitness. Join the Judgment Free Zone today for just $30, $10 a month and get tons of cardio and strength of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs with free fitness training and plenty of room to move. You can go at your own pace and get back to a routine that works for you, all for just $10 a month. Don't wait. Join any of our 2,000 locations today in club, online, or on the app C club for details. You know, legacy media has dominated the podcast world until now. Our newest podcast, Morning Wire, is here to bring you the facts to start your day. It's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to keep it trending towards number one. So subscribe and start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today is the day, finally, for our rally at the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia. We're going to be speaking out against the radical gender ideology in the school system and the abuse and indoctrination of children. As you know, if you've been listening over the last several days, the school board has pulled out all the stops to prevent this from happening. They can't do anything to stop the rally, but they can change the rules to at least make it more difficult for some of us to speak during the meeting itself. That's why late last week, after already shortening the speaking time for each person to 60 seconds, They announced that only residents of Loudoun County would be allowed to address the school board. It was around the same time, quite incidentally, that I decided to rent a place in Loudoun County and fulfill my lifelong dream of becoming a Virginia resident. Fortunately, just by happenstance, that also means that I can still speak at the meeting. It's funny how, you know, things just work out that way. In fact, we flew out to Virginia, um, where where I am a legal resident, last night, and it it just feels great to be home. I've mostly sort of been hanging out in Virginia today, doing Virginia-type stuff, chilling with my fellow Virginians, getting into all kinds of Virginia shenanigans and hijinks, the kinds of things you'd have to be a Virginian to understand. We're a pretty wacky bunch, us Virginians. Now, in any case, getting off the plane was a strange experience because we happened to emerge into the terminal to see my own face on the TV as uh, Fox 5 in D.C. happened to be airing a report about all this right at that moment. And I think it's worth playing the report here. So uh, check it out.
2: Hey, Rob, so we just heard from this person on WMAL this morning talking about how he spoke out at his own board of education meeting in Tennessee. Well, now the same person wants to speak here so badly tomorrow that he apparently took out a lease in the neighborhood to be eligible to do so. This person, this is Matt Walsh. He tweeted, How do you do, fellow Virginians? After telling his over 672,000 Twitter followers about his new lease in the area. Walsh is a conservative blogger and podcaster who has been more vocal about the Loudoun County Schools' transgender policy. He's also arguing that those with no children in the district should be able to decide what happens in LCPS because LCPS receives federal funding and he is an American taxpayer. The Loudoun County School Board, the school board, Uh, Speaker change was announced late last week and at a previous June Loudon County Schools meeting. We know tensions erupted. That meeting ended up making national headlines. Speakers are now being asked to show some sort of proof that they are either a county public school student, a guardian of one, a county resident or a business owner. A press release sent by the school board said that this was to prevent, quote, out of town agitators who would make board meetings a platform for national politics or to enhance their their media profiles, end quote.
0: First of all, I hate to nitpick here, but I can't help but point out that this local news report criticizing me for not being a local, even though I'm a Virginia resident, in good standing, did misspell the name of Loudoun County in their uh, their, uh, chyron as they introduced this segment. Now, as a resident of Loudoun County, I take exception to that. I'm tired of it personally. Literally every day that I've been a resident of Loudoun County there's been a news report misspelling the name. I'm sick of it. These are the kinds of things we deal with here in Loudoun County, my home. But things get worse from there because the next uh, Chiron misgenders me twice, calling me a Tennessee man. Nobody at Fox 5 in D.C. contacted me to ask about my gender. If they had, I would have informed them that my gender is Virginia resident. In fact, they even misgendered me a third time, calling me a blogger. I haven't identified as a blogger in many years, so please stop deadnaming me. This is violence. The truth is that I have been a Virginian trapped in a Tennessean's body for too long, and it feels good to finally live my truth openly. Though I have never, though I though I have been appalled by the bigotry I've encountered ever since coming out as a trans Virginian. Despite all of the progress we've made, there are still people who are not prepared to accept those of us who are state fluid, those of us on the state spectrum. This is why we have to continue to fight for inclusion and acceptance, and I will do just that. Now let's uh, let's keep watching some of this news report, here it is.
2: We did ask around about this today and I can tell you we did get some mixed reactions. I feel that they're taking away voices, that they don't want people to be heard, um, and they're trying to silence someone who doesn't agree with them. I don't want you know, anybody to attend.
0: Well maybe whatever portion is uh, <laughs> is federally funded, maybe they should be allowed to speak to that extent, I guess.
2: Just by leasing a place uh, so they can testify is just not right. If you don't have a child in the county, why would you want to testify? Now, I was not actually able to get in touch with Walsh today and put my own eyes on that lease. I was told by a school's official that the rule change was not in response to him wanting to participate. And they also told me that uh, the school system is about 1% federally funded, by the way.
0: Oh, the uh, rule change was not in response to me. I believe that. I do. Just as my change of residence was in response to the rule change. These things are all just happening on their own, disconnected, unrelated. And yet somehow our our fates remained entwined in this magical dance that we call life. Sorry if I'm getting a little bit sappy on you there. You you know how we Virginians can tend to be. I also appreciated how the woman complaining about me earlier in the clip was wearing a mask in her car, and she had her kid wearing a mask too. Any chance that I might have cared about her opinion went out the window when she put the uh, mask on to drive in her own vehicle. That's one of the only advantages to masking at this point, in fact, is it's a handy cheat code letting us know ahead of time which people we should completely ignore. Anyway, in the end, we're all still going to be there this afternoon. And if the school board feels that we are intruders and agitators and that we're making their lives more difficult, that's good. That's the point. The fact that school boards have become battlegrounds, the fact that we're even talking about school boards at all, is a very positive development. For a long time, school boards across the country basically did whatever they want and enacted whatever policies they preferred. And at worst, there'd be like 12 people at the meeting and maybe four of them would express mild disapproval over it. Schools and school districts were were left alone to decide what they would teach kids, decide what sort of indoctrination they'd be subjected to. We would be out arguing about national politics while America's future was shaped in the schools right under our noses. It's a very encouraging sign that we're finally redirecting our focus to where it actually matters. And this is ultimately the reason why I am going to Loudoun County School Board say my piece it's it's why I'll go to, it's why I'll go to, to any school board in the country and give my two cents. Part of the reason is that yes, I'm already giving my two cents in the form of federal tax funding. I don't care if it's one percent. I don't care if it's one penny. but much more important, it's because the school system more than perhaps any other institution is in the business of deciding what sort of country we will live in, what sort of culture we will have, what sort of civilization we will we will have. And I have to live here in this country. And so do my kids, even if they won't be in the school system themselves. That's why I get to contribute to the conversation. And why anyone else who wants to can and should. And it's why I'll be there in Loudoun County tonight, my home. So who am I canceling at the end of all this? I guess the Loudoun County School Board. Well, that'll come later tonight. And Fox 5 DC. And my Tennessee residents, since I'm a Virginia man now. That is until I find the next school board meeting that I want to attend. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. My sweet fellow Virginians, Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, our technical director is Austin Stevens, production manager Pavel Vadaski. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The Governor of New York presumes to speak for God. CNN's Chris Cuomo gets accused of sexual assault, and the establishment press tries to bury the dirt uncovered during Arizona's audit of the 2020 election. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.